What's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight is episode 10 titled, I Got a Fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Because tonight we're going to be talking to Mississippi State baseball stars Cameron James and Josh Hatcher. But before Cameron and Josh join us, Guys, how was the weekend? Jim, start us off. Man, I was on a cold, wet soccer field watching my daughter. And being that they did not do well, it did not make sitting out there in that weather very much fun. But I did not expect LSU to beat Florida Saturday night. As you know, I expected them to get housed. And being that that happened, basically, I was able to forget all the losses from my daughter's teams and just move on. Even when the Saints lost on Sunday, Daniel, I was just like, whatever, man, LSU beat Florida. I'm going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? So um, that and uh, guess what, man? Dylan Hale is back on break. Got to meet him up at the gym. You know, he had his shoes on, thank God. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes going forward. Well, thankfully, he's back in town because now you can stop giving these excuses about lifting hard and heavy because you're waiting on, on your homeboy to get there. But, Randy, how was your weekend, bro? Weekend was great. I know it's a sports podcast, but got some fantastic news today. One of my very dear friends. You're uh, having a- another kid? <laughs> Absolutely not. That would not be fantastic news. I already have, like, 12. No, but uh, one of my very dear friends, uh, Eddie Miller, his wife was diagnosed with cancer some time ago, and for the first time they had a positive prognosis where her tumors have shrunk in half. Uh, so huge shout-out, God is good, and I just hope the news stays positive. Man, that's great. Speaking of God, this weekend, guys, I just let Jesus take the wheel. I, I was out of town, and I set my fantasy rosters, and I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of the games. I tried to follow as much as I could, but I was just kind of off the grid a little bit. And, you know, it was kind of nice not having the, the, the pressure to follow and update my, my, my team every five seconds and, you know, go through the agony. But um, nonetheless, it was a good family weekend. You know, nothing crazy. Went out to Disney and just did our thing. But, guys, that's enough of us. Let's get to the real deal main event. With the biggest podcast interview this week, we got Mississippi State baseball stars Josh Hatcher and Cameron James. Josh, how we doing, man? Doing good, doing good. How about y'all? We're good. Cameron, what's up, bro? What up? How we doing? We're good, man. It's it's nice to have you back. So I'm going to first congratulate you um, because you're the only guest that we've had on for a second time. So, I mean, how's that feel? Um, I mean, it's good to be back on. After my first one, it got pretty competitive with some of my friends, like uh, Dylan Hill and Alex, and then um, Ed Easley. So I'm just back to take the number one spot back. So, 
Well, you know, I, I hope that's the case. And, and I see you, you, you pulled out the big guns tonight. You got, you got some backup. You brought Josh Hatcher with you. So, you know, I know you guys are going to gonna share this thing and blow it up, you know, because we got some guests coming on, some SEC rivals, and I think it's going to get big. So, you know, there's, there's no downtime in the podcast game. So make sure you're, you're doing, doing what you got to do and you got to bring it, bro. Me and Hatcher going to handle it. All right. You know, the real reason, Daniel, we had to bring Cam back is we're on video now. We're not we're not just radio. And so, you know, we we addressed how much better looking he is than us. So we had to take advantage of that this time. <laughs> Cam, I gotta I gotta be real with you, bro. Like, I mean, Brady ain't ugly, bro. You got some you got some catching up to do there too. Oh no. <laughs> I, I even had to like fix my hair for the night because I was like, bro, I got flow. I'm old now. Yeah. It's but you look right. You look, you're looking right tonight, so, so there's that. But, man, I really want to start things off by, by getting to know Josh. Josh, man, we, we've had Cameron on. We've talked to him. We know all about his past and high school life and how he got to state. But, you know, I want to hear from you. Talk to me. You know, where are you from? What's your family like? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Tell me it all. Yeah, all right. So I'm from Albany, Georgia which is South Georgia, about an hour and a half from Tallahassee, about an hour and a half from Auburn. Um, I got I got a brother and a sister, and I live here with my dad here in Albany. And, um, you know, I've been playing baseball ever since I was a little kid, ever since I could walk. It's been the only sport I've played uh, all the way up through middle school, high school. Uh, I attended Lee County High School. I don't know if y'all know, but – Buster Posey went to that high school. Luke Bryan went to that high school. So uh, a bunch of a bunch of big name guys went there. So there's a lot of pub publicity around them guys and everything. So in high school, growing up, like I said, I'm an hour and a half from Tallahassee. So Florida State was a dream school ever since I could walk. You know, going to baseball games every weekend, going to football games. Buster Posey went there. Obviously, that's who I looked up to, being from the same hometown. And um, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you where Mississippi State was or what it was when I was in high school until I took my first visit there. And um, ever since then, you know, I just fell in love with the first time seeing it. You know, the stadium they got there, the fans they got. It's just an unreal place to be. So take take me back to your family. You said you had a brother and a sister. Older brother, yeah. older sister. Yeah, older brother, older sister. I'm the youngest in the family. I'm the baby. So is are they athletes as well? Uh, my brother was at one time, and my sister did the uh, cheer thing throughout middle school, high school, and all of that. So who's the most athletic of you three? Oh, it's got to be me. It's got to be. If I asked your brother the same question, what would he say? He, he'd agree. Okay. He'd agree. Okay. Well, he, he's, he's been there. Well, we're going to get a chance to ask Cam's brother here <laughs> so so with that you you said that you know you you had an older brother older sister you're the youngest um how do you fall into baseball was it something that you just tried and liked did you or was it something that your brother played and you wanted to kind of emulate what he was doing uh yeah you know just with him playing it my dad coaching him I always just hit the field ever since I was a little kid uh, I've just been around it my whole life, and 
I just started playing, and that's what I wanted to do for since a young age. Were Were you the best player on the team, or did you over time develop into what you are today? Um, I'll say pretty much I was one of the best players on the team. And until I got to school, obviously, everybody's the best player from their area. So, And then where I am now, it's just grown over time since freshman year. So as a kid growing up, are you playing travel ball? Or are you playing play, – what, what kind of little leagues are you playing? Uh, yeah, so I'm playing travel ball, you know, every weekend, every other weekend, I'm going to Atlanta. A lot of people think where I'm from is – I'll say I'm from Georgia. They're like, oh, what part of Atlanta are you from? But I'm three and a half hours south of Atlanta. So I'm not from north up there. So every weekend it was driving up there, staying the weekend, coming back, and doing it again the next weekend. Yeah, I know you probably visited East Cobb many a time. So with that, at Lee Lee County High is where you went for high school. Was how good were they? Were they a big school, small school, competitive? Oh uh, yeah. So we're um, we're six A. We're one of the biggest schools in South Georgia in six A. Uh, we we're pretty competitive. We uh, state championship. We played for my senior year. We lost to a really good team, Pope High School in Atlanta. They got a bunch of kids that go to UGA over there in Athens, and uh, it was the first time we played for a state championship since Buster Posey's team. So I'll say, I mean, they had some, they had some pretty good teams, but, you know, I just think there was a, there's a lot of downtime there competition wise and skill, skill wise. So, I mean, I think it's been up over the last couple of years though. Well, well, your boy Cameron seems to think his, his high school is the best high school on the planet. And when he was a player, he, he <laughs> thinks that they could have beat anybody. So I, I'm curious do you know anything about Cameron and his high school career? Yeah, I do. I'm sure he told you many times. I'm sure he's he's not afraid to bring up the state championships every every five seconds, right? <laughs> he brings them up every now and again. I don't blame him. I would too, because that, that's something to be proud of. So as you're going through through high school, how do you start or when did you realize like you could play at the next level at a high level? Okay, so um, summer after freshman year, I committed to a school, Kennesaw State in Atlanta, right? A smaller school. And I would say the main reason I did that was because the people I was playing travel ball with, a couple guys uh, got drafted high out of high school, 2017 draft, and they were committed to all these big schools. And I was like, man, I got I to gotta go ahead and commit, get, out the, get that out of the way. And I just think I pulled the trigger a little too early on that. You know, I didn't really go where I wanted to go. I didn't shop around a little bit. But um, so after I committed there, my high school went to a team camp at Mississippi State. And uh, like I said, that was the first time I seen the field and the atmosphere in Starkville. And I was just like, wow, I got like, I want to go to somewhere like this, somewhere big in the SEC with a bunch of fans like this, big stadium. And uh I was just fortunate enough to get the opportunity to play at Mississippi State probably about a month or two after that. So did you never you never attended Kennesaw State, correct? No, nope, never attended it. So what what's that conversation like with the coach at Kennesaw State and you're just like, man, like this ain't for me or like like how does that go down? 
Yeah, uh, it's definitely a tough conversation to have. You know, it's not one kids 15, 16, 17 years old know how to have with a with a grown up, especially the head coach of a baseball team that that recruited you well and really wanted you to come to campus. Um, it was just more of a th thank you for everything. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's nothing against you or your program. It's just a personal decision that I got to make for me and my family. And so there, there were no other, in your, in your opinion, it's, it's, there's no other options. There's no other choices. Mississippi State was the one, or were there other big-time SEC schools that you were looking at after you visited um, State? So uh, when I went to Mississippi State, the plan was to have like a, like a three-day trip, go to Mississippi State, visit there, go to Tuscaloosa, visit Alabama, then go to Auburn and finish there. And um, after Mississippi State, uh, the only other school I wanted to go to was Florida State. I didn't want to look at Auburn. I didn't want to look at uh, Alabama. It was either going to be, be Florida State or Mississippi State. And I went to Mississippi State, uh, saw what they had to offer. Then obviously I already knew what Tallahassee had to offer. And to me, it wasn't even close. Like, wasn't even a comparison, not even in the same ballpark. Like, everything, facilities, field, fans, atmosphere, college. Everything was just head and shoulders above Florida State. And that's so, I mean, and, and there's, a, there's a long line of tradition at Florida State when it comes to baseball. And, I mean, for, for you know, the listener's sake, like, you're pretty close to Tallahassee. And, and right. was, was it even a thought? Was it even a, a hard, you know, decision to make? Or you visited and you just said, nope. I, I got it figured out. I'm going to state. Yeah, so after I decommitted, I thought it was clear. I only wanted to go to Florida State. Like, that was it. That was the only place I wanted to go. Been my dream school since I was a little kid. And um, like I said, I didn't even know where Mississippi State was. It's five, about five and a half hours, six hours from here. And I was like, that's just too far. Like, I don't want to be that far from home. I'm just going to take the hour and a half drive down to Tallahassee. I'll be fine. And uh, like I said, when I went over to Mississippi State, I was like, it's not a bad ride at all. This, this is where I want to be. This is the best place for me and my family and my career. But, um, yeah, like, I just I just wanted, you know, the thought and the opportunity to play at Tallahassee. Like, like I said, it was my dream school since I was a little kid. I just wanted there to be an opportunity to know, like, in my mind, that I could have played there if I wanted to be in my dream school. Well, it seems like you you made you made the right choice. Um, but I will ask: Was there ever uh, a thought to not go to Mississippi State and and go pro? Um. Yeah. There was there there definitely was. Uh, you know, most kids coming out of high school, if they have the chance to play pro baseball, then most of them really want to go. You know, they're ready to get in the pro ball, get that thing started, get it rolling, and um. It's not really that big of a deal to me, but, you know, most kids don't want to go to school, do any more school. That plays a big factor in people's decisions. But, um, no, like I said, I obviously wanted to go, but I didn't think the timing was right with me and with everything that was going on. So I felt the best option was to go to school. I got you. So, so I was like, there's no regrets as of right now that you you didn't decide to take your draft status and go pro you're at state and it, it 
I mean, I'm looking at the stats, bro. Like you're killing it. Like you guys are, I'm sure, you know, as we get into this podcast, we're going to talk about um, what the expectations are, but I mean, I see big things for you guys this year. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, like you said, we're killing it. We expect to kill it even more as the season progresses. Uh, Cam will tell you this. We're just we're ready to play. Season got cut short last year. Uh, thought we were just starting to heat up. We're starting to play really good as a team. The season ended. I know I was mad. Everybody else was mad as well because we had a, we had a real shot to win the College World Series last year. And um, I'm just trying to trying to get back to the College World Series. I'm not counting last year. I don't know if it's ever been done. Taking a team to the College World Series three years in a row. So uh, that's a really good goal for me. Yeah, so Josh, I wanna I wanna take it back just a little bit. First day on campus in Starkville, where I've been multiple times. Even been there with Jim a few times. We went there for his bachelor party, believe it or not. I'll tell you a story about that off the air. <laughs> so talk to us about what that was like first day. I'm talking academically, practice, first game, all that. Just walk us through what that was like. Yeah. Uh so you get there as a freshman, you just want to take everything in. I mean, classes, you know, you got classes early in the morning. You got practices right after. And I'm just – at first, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, like, you got this every single day. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. But, you know, that's that just comes with the jitters of being a freshman, you know, being nervous about everything. But uh, once everything got rolling and we got started with the season, uh, everything calmed down for me. And, and it just went back to playing baseball, you know, playing the game that I love. Yeah, absolutely. So, so after your first day, you talked about it with DB a little bit, but you're there, you're doing your thing, you get the jitters. But did you have any regrets then about not going pro? Oh uh, no, not at all. the The first home game I had freshman year when I ran out there to play, I looked around, I I took it all in, and um, I was just thinking to myself like, there's no other place I want to be right here now at this time. Yeah, we've talked about it, man. Where you know in Starkville, a lot of places in the SEC. And those stadiums are a hell of a lot nicer than some of these minor leagues, right? No no offense to those right, guys. Right. But we talked about it. All right, so talk us through that. First, you talked about running out, what that was like. I mean, was it a big gap between when you were playing high school ball to the competition level you faced in the SEC? Oh, it's, uh, it's a lot bigger than people actually think. You know, you're in high school, you're watching these games go by, and you're like, wow, man, I can't wait to play. Like, I'm just going to get there, play right away. I know I can play with these guys, but um, once you actually get there and you go through the grind and you see what all these other guys have to offer, like it really opens your eyes to how good these people actually are that you were watching in high school. And like you said, uh, I went out there as a freshman. I'm sitting there, I'm seeing stuff that I've never seen before. Guys throwing 96, 97, four different pitches. Like I said, you, you may see that once the whole summer playing travel ball, like I said, being up in Atlanta all those people that are there. But, um, yeah, you, you get that almost every arm that runs out in the SEC. But in high school, you don't really see that at all. Yeah, no doubt. So talk about us. What was, was there a huge difference going from your sophomore season from your freshman year as far as what you saw and, and how you were as a player and a person? Um, I would say the biggest thing was uh, just physically. That was the biggest thing, physically and uh, mentally just maturing, you know. But, um yeah, like I said, it gets better every single year. New guys come in. You got junior college players. You got freshmen who are really good. And um, it just it just restocks every single year. 
Yeah, so you talked about it, wanting to do the, the three times in a row. Tell us what that first season was like. What's it like going to the College World Series? Oh, dude, it's, you, there's, you'll, you'll never experience anything like that in your baseball career. I'll never Unless experience you it at all. Series in the MLB. <laughs> 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 yeah, but uh, you know, like I said, running out there as a freshman in the College World Series, you got all these people out there watching you, all these fans, people cheering for you. You're in Omaha, Nebraska, nice city, best stadium ever. All these, all these teams. You know, you got everything. You got opening ceremonies. Go watch the late games at night if you play earlier in the day. Everything, man. Uh, just the experience that was unreal. No, absolutely. I can only imagine, man. I mean, so let's talk about it. You talked about you guys were killing it. You expected to kill it more. Obviously, COVID cut it short. What do you guys need to do? What do you need to do personally? And what does the team need to do to follow up and make it back to Omaha? Uh, I, I think we need, to, we need to start gelling together more as a team. Uh, during the fall, obviously, there was some restrictions with COVID and everything. Can't, can't go to people's houses, can't hang out, can't bond, stuff like that. So I think just getting to know everybody. And um, like I said, like me and Cam had that bond, you know, like we're brothers. I got his back. He's got mine. It's just we got to get that with all the other new guys out of here on the team this year. Yeah, so we're talking about how you are handling the pandemic. And so let's start with you, Cameron. You're still there, right? You ain't asleep on me? No, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, how are y'all handling all the COVID protocols right now? How is it affecting y'all's schedule, you know, as far as baseball? Well, really the main thing is just kind of like Hatch just said, it's just keeping us all separate, not just outside of the of baseball, but inside the facilities. We've been broken up into three different locker rooms, you know. Um, we're having to lift with kind of different groups. Like we have pitchers at one time, hitters at one time. Can't really have everybody together. Um, so that, that's one thing that is kind of like kind of affected that that on the field bond a little bit. Um, but other than that, I feel like we're we're getting through it, you know, as well as anybody can. Um, I think we've done a really good job with it. Um, it hadn't been too difficult so far, but it's just, you know, a little adjusting. Well, you know, we uh, we let off as far as the video statement. Y'all didn't see it, but we let off with the highlights of both y'all hitting home runs and y'all were doing it wearing masks. So apparently that's not hindering y'all at all. So that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, Josh, talk to me about the academics, the class side of things. Are you in class? Are you online? How are, how are those things going? Um, I'm online right now. It's, it's definitely something you got to adjust to, you know, being an athlete, you're like, Oh, I want, I want all these online classes. I can sleep in a little more, get another million here and there. But uh, once you actually have all these online classes, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. You know, you got five to six classes. You got all these tests for these classes. Sometimes you'll have three to four tests a day. And you just got to really learn how to manage your time. You can't, you can't be caught sitting at home. You know, you're like, oh, I just got online class. I'm just going to take it easy, watch some TV, eat some chips. You actually really have to manage your time really well. Yeah, that's actually a real misconception. My wife actually uh, went back to college. She's at the University of Memphis, and people think because she's doing college online, it's easy. And she says it's five times harder right now. So I think people yeah. don't understand how hard y'all have it as college students right now. What about you, uh, Cam? Do you, are all your classes online as well? Yeah, I had I had all on, online classes uh, this first semester. But, yeah, like you said, it's, it's tougher, you know, not being in that in-class atmosphere. You have to kind of learn everything on your own. Um, of course, you have the, the Zoom meetings and the WebEx, you know, getting on class there, but it's, it's really not the same. So, 
you're not able to take in all that information that you would if you were, you know, in class every day. So it does make it a little bit, you know, tougher. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's get into the baseball portion. Let's talk about the, uh, the fall world series. You know, I got to see a lot of the highlights, got to see the stat box, you know, Cameron, for those who don't understand, how is it that y'all make your two teams? So um, the day before we had the, the first game of the fall world series, um, we had two coaches. We had coach Teesbro who was team Queso, and we had coach Gotro who was team Goat. Um, unfortunately, me and Hatch were not on the same team. Hatch was on Team Queso. I was on GOAT. Um, so kind of how it worked is, is the coaches just went down a list, you know, um, of the different positions. I think we started with pitchers, went to outfielders, went to infielders, and then went to catchers. Um, and then they would just kind of go back and forth trading picks, kind of like a real draft would be. Gotcha. Josh, did you look at, did you look at Cam's team and know that you were going to win? Uh, you know, it was tough. You know, I thought I thought we had the better lineup for sure, but he did. The arms he did. They had, yeah, <laughs> the, like, like I said, the the arms they had. You know, they had Christian, our Friday night guy, who you know, if he if he wins game one, then you're already in a hole and you just got to fight back to win two games. But um, I don't know. It was it was pretty close. It was pretty close. Yeah, I read the reporting on it, and I'm gonna have to agree with the camera saying they were saying that y'all had a y'all had a stacked lineup. So I think y'all somehow might have might have cheated during y'all's draft y'all's drafting, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Cameron, man, honestly, I, I see the highlights. How fun is it to compete like that in a five game series with your teammates like that? It's competitive, but so much fun at the same time, right? Yeah. So. That that first night game, that game one, was super competitive because, um, of course, we all know each other. We kind of know the the ins and outs of everybody, um, even stuff like, you know, other teams would know. So they're kind of chirping at you. You're chirping at them. And, of course, they're your teammates. So you want to have the upper hand in the locker room. You want to have those bragging rights. So it made it just super um, competitive. Um, Unfortunately, my team wasn't able to win a single game, so I didn't get the, the feeling of any bragging rights. But, uh, but yeah, it was super fun um, getting to play under the lights that first game. I, I bet so, man. I could imagine just, you know, playing with all your boys, you know, like I said, I mean, you're a natural competitor, but, I mean, it's got to be fun. So, we talk about the bragging rights, Josh. How, how much – how great is it to have those bragging rights over the other, the other side? Oh, it's great. After every game, you win a game, you get in there, you know, you're chirping back and forth, you know, talking this and that to your boys. And then you go out the next day and you, and you just tell them, you're like, you're ready to wear, wear them out again. And then you do it. And then you're chirping a little bit more. And then after the second win, it's just, it's all out there. You're chirping left and right about anything, digging up old stuff, new stuff. And <laughs> Like I said, you got the upper hand two games, and you're just—it's just fun. It's just fun then, just playing with them. So let's talk about game three specifically. All right, so we know both of y'all had bombs. Um, Cam, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you on the losing side. First of all, uh, you had the two-run bomb in the six, which uh, I mean, how did how did that feel within itself? Well, of course, hitting the hitting the homer always feels really good. Um, it was only my second one of the fall, so. Um, obviously around the first base, I'm pretty sure in the video you can see me and Hatch laughing at each other. He looks at me and, and says <laughs> something. But 
um, it was obviously always always fun to hit a homer. And then, uh, yeah, I know you told us hit bombs and strike out. Remember, that was on your this or that. So we know you're about hitting those bombs. Uh, <laughs> but, and, you know, I didn't see the game, but, I, you know, like I said, I read. And if I, hit, if I read this correctly, you tried to make the rally at the end of the game because uh, there was two outs and you get a single or a double. Um, yeah, in that last inning, I'd hit a double down the line. So, you, hey, it wasn't on you. You did everything you could, huh? You're hitting bombs, you're hitting doubles, trying to make rallies. I, yeah, I was trying to do what I could. To a dog. His back was hurting. <laughs> carrying the team. All right, well, speaking yeah. of carrying the team, we know who carried the team to victory. Hatcher, how about, how about you? How did, uh, how did that three-run bomb that was the difference in the game feel? Oh, I felt great. Uh, you know, we had to win that game to put them away, go ahead and get the steak dinner. Like I said, you're out there chirping, and you want that steak dinner. You don't want to eat beanie wings <laughs> while the other team's eating a big, fat steak, you know. So uh, it felt it felt really good. You know, I was in a big spot. I came up big for my team. That's just what I was trying to do. You know, uh, Daniel, we talk about, uh, and Randy, we talk about those underground practices, you know, we wish we had, like, the raw footage of. I wish I had the footage of these guys, you know, smack talking each other as they're playing each other on the field, locker room, all that. I mean, what do you think, Daniel? That'd be good entertainment, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I want Cameron to give me an example of of some smack talk. Uh, I'm not, it's a family I'm not, show, Cam. Yeah, it's a family show though. Keep yeah, keep it PG, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm not I'm not the smack talker on the team. I think Josh would tell you that. Uh but I, I th- he'd probably be a better uh, candidate to ask about the smack talking. I'm not, I'm not one. Josh, what's really. what's something you said the day after? Come on, <laughs> hit it, hit us with it. <laughs> you, you want something during the game or, or after we have won? Either Daniel, one. Daniel, you, yeah, Daniel, you asked the question. What do you want during or after? I want during the game. I want that in game stuff. It's easy to talk smack <laughs> after you already beat somebody. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like like a little in game thing, you know. Uh, Game three, hit hit the homer to go ahead, uh, rounding the bases, yelling out how I like my steak, point, uh. point at their coach, telling them how I like my steak, <laughs> telling them I want to serve nice and good. Oh, he's, yo. He's, he's running around second base. I'm at shortstop. Tell me he likes it medium rare. So, uh, oh damn. Hey, I would I would have been like y'all could come y'all could come watch me eat this steak, bro. Y'all just served up. Randy, y'all just Randy. served up the steak right here when I just put it out there in the outfield. And Randy, you also, said you wanted also to know we got after. Go ahead. I said also we got you know we have all the grills out in the outfield, so oh, it, when you hit a homer, the chances of hitting a grill is pretty good. So yeah. he'll he'll hit a homer and round and round the bases. Tell me I can go out there and flip it in ten minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- 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 tell him flip it in ten minutes. Ten minutes on both sides. Randy, you asked about afterwards. I think the best thing that could come afterwards would be Josh coming back and telling him how delicious that steak was. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, if, were y'all together when you had your steak? Because if you weren't, I'd have FaceTimed him and been like, hold up, y'all hold up. Let me set this phone up real quick. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, delivered, they delivered all the steaks to the locker room, so we got to watch them get their steaks. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey. I would have invited you over to smell it. Y'all smell that? That's victory. <laughs> Hey, they, they they smelled it. You know, we we had just got done with a long practice, long lift. Everybody's walking out to their car tired. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, we all get a steak." Nah, not everybody. <laughs> well, steaks Cameron, are for winners. Cameron, I tell you this, man. You didn't you didn't come out a loser on it because 
I read reports coming coming out of Starkville after that, and I tell you what, the the two beat writers for for Mississippi State, I thought I was a fan of yours, man. They love you. They they are man, just hey, they're like this kid is the real deal. He is going to be the man. He's going to bat in the two hole and all that. And I wanted to ask you, you know, um, you know, when we talked to you before, you weren't playing shortstop yet. Now you're over there. How how's it feel to be back in your spot? It feels good. I, y'all already knew this from the last podcast that third base wasn't wasn't the most comfortable spot for me. So I think being back at ball, shortstop, though. do what? But you ball though. Don't matter where you're at. <laughs> I tried to, right. but 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 not being at shortstop. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. Feel a little more comfortable. So we'll see. Josh told me off air that he has to pick a lot of bad throws from you. That's what he told me. He probably he probably does. I probably you know, he probably makes me look a lot better than I am. You know, hey, that's what teammates are for. So, Josh, uh, talk to me. Y'all fixing to go on break? What is uh, what does training and practice look like as y'all go into winter break? Oh uh, yeah. So tra- training for me will be uh, obviously get my four three to four lifts in a week, and then uh, gotta ne- never really stop hitting. You know, but you got to get back to that. Uh, I think I think this time is a time you could take to really break down your swing and break down your game into smaller pieces. You know, like during the fall, you're ready to go. You're playing. You got BP every now every day. And um, I think using this time for drill work, uh, individual drills that work for you, and just really getting in the cage and dissecting your swing and what works for you is, is what is what this uh, breaks about. Gotcha. And Cameron, is most of this going to be on your zone or are y'all still going to be at the school a lot? Um, well, some of us did go back for a couple more weeks after the break had started. Um, but from here on out, it's just going to be on your own, kind of kind of getting getting done what you can. Gotcha. And I assume that they got y'all some sort of um, regiment and something to hold for accountability. They ain't going to just let y'all, hey, y'all, y'all go do your thing and we hope we hope you do what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, Coach Lamonis will call and, and check in a little bit. We got our strength coach sending us emails about, you know, what lifts to do. So, All right. And so uh, let me ask you, like, is there anything specifically – both of you, I will start, I'll start with you, Cam, since we're already talking – specifically that you want to work on, one, one more thing that you really feel like you just need to get right before you all get into season? Um, for, for me, and, you know, I saw it a little bit in the fall – it's probably getting a little more comfortable at shortstop after making that transition. Um, everything plays a little different, so that's that's the main thing I'm I'm probably going to focus on. Um, is just you know get as consistent as I can at shortstop. Gotcha. And what about you, Josh? What what is something that you feel like you need to improve on going into the season? Uh, I feel like get getting my speed as good as possible. You know, stealing as many bags as possible this year. Uh, my my swing feels really good right now. I like where I'm at. I like where I'm at defensively. So I think just getting a lot of speed work in and trying to steal as many bags is what I'm focused on. All right. So when y'all come back, do y'all have um, any idea when the season's starting? Have they have they let y'all know that yet, Josh? Uh, no, we we don't know anything about that. We don't know if we're gonna start at the at the end of February or the beginning of March. We don't know how many games we're playing. We don't know a schedule. We don't know anything yet. 
Well, I do know this, you know, based on how other sports have gone. And, um, you know, I've been looking at these SEC uh, preseason power rankings. If y'all were to have to go to conference only, man, it's not going to hurt y'all any because, I mean, I've seen different, I've seen different sources, but I'm going to go with uh, the one I told Cam, I'm going to go with the one that had y'all at the highest ranked. But, I mean, we got Florida – at one, Ole Miss at four, Vandy at, at six, LSU at seven, Mississippi State at eight, Arkansas at ten. I mean, God, that is a gauntlet for you boys. I mean, y'all. I mean, it's, it's every every single series is it's going to be the real deal. How excited are you, Josh, to be able to play against? I mean, just such high level competition. You know, every week. Oh, I can't. I cannot wait for that. You know. Uh... Last last series we had was against Texas Tech. They were the number one team in the country at the time. I want to say the they they haven't been beat all year. If they have, I think it was like maybe once. And uh, you know we we beat them pretty good. You know we were we were up for the challenge, and I think that's what it's going to be again this year. We're just ready to play somebody really really competitive, and we're ready to get after it every weekend. Y'all gave them that work, is what you're really saying. Yep, that's right. That's right. All right, so Cameron, you had the hot start we know um, coming in as, as you know freshman year, and and now you're looking at all these teams, and you didn't really get a chance to face all these big boys. Got any nerves? Or are you confident you can take them all down? Um, you know, last year not being able to play a single SEC game, um, obviously it makes you a little nervous just because you know that competition level is just a little bit better than everywhere else, but. Um, after facing the pitching staff we have at Mississippi State this fall and, you know, having some success against those guys, um, I, would, I would put our pitching staff up there with anybody and say it's arguably the best in the country. So after facing the guys I face on our staff this fall, I have, uh, I have some confidence going into, to, you know, the SEC games this year. Yeah, and since you brought up the pitching staff, I'd be remiss if I didn't do this. Uh, how's, our boy, how's our boy Cade Smith doing? Is he looking good? I'll tell you, I, I was very impressed with him you know this fall coming in and the way he he handled coming in and, and getting some innings in a in a loaded pitching staff in a weird year um his velo was up he was up to 95 I think um he has some really good stuff I think I think as a freshman he'll have the chance to to get some innings and and his future's bright for sure and that's good to hear yeah man you know uh I watched you guys supported you guys I told you I've got some conflict this year and you know I got I got to tell you and Josh isn't aware of this but you are and I told you that because of you and um Cade I feel like I have to root for Mississippi State as an LSU fan but Cade Beloso told me I'm not allowed to and so uh, you know and we got their episode coming up him and Jaden Hill and they're gonna they're gonna try to convince me otherwise. So I'm a little conflicted. I got guys that I've watched play through their whole high school career now playing college, and and now y'all are gonna be going up against my team. And from all accounts, y'all are basically rivals. So it's it's gonna be interesting. But um, I'm gonna ask y'all one last question each. Josh, uh, you know, Randy touched on this. He talked about um, Omaha and getting back there. Um, I mean. I know you feel this way, but I mean, when I talk about these teams that you're going to have to go through, do you think? I mean, is it is it 100% no doubt in your mind you're going you're going to be back there? Oh, 100%. Like, not even not even close to a doubt. The the, right. the way we the way we've been playing, the way we've been preparing, we got to be there. Cam, you feel the same way? For sure. 
All right, and so um, I'm going to end on this. Uh, if I ask each of y'all, I'm going to start with you, Josh. If you have one personal goal other than your team goal, obviously your team goal is to win it all. What is your one personal goal you have this year? Uh, I want to play, obviously play as good as possible and then get drafted as high as possible, uh, possibly go on the first day, you know. Man, hey, if you, if you go on the first day, you promise to come back and talk to us about it. Oh, I'll be back for sure. I heard that. Can yeah, your goal should have been to come back on in off the bench and rap with you guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right, Cameron, man, got a personal goal for this year? Bat four hundred. What's up? <laughs> no, mine, mine is, um, you know, being a draft eligible sophomore. I would, I'd like to have a a good year this year and have a chance to to go early in the draft this year. But if if not, if if I'm not able to do that, I think. Um, getting an opportunity to play for Team USA would be would be awesome. Something I, I'd really like to do. So talk to me, guys, real quick before we bounce into this game. If I am a guy who is on the fence about who's going to win the SEC, um, and I say the SEC because uh, let's be honest, the if you if you make it to Omaha, you're you're definitely going to play the the potential to play the seven other best teams in the country. But I don't think there's any discrediting how good the SEC is. So tell me, Cameron, and I'll start with you. Why is Mississippi State the best team in the SEC? First of all, because we have. I think the best pitching staff in the country from what I've seen. Um, also, I think we have a lot of really special young talent um, in this sophomore class who, you know, got to play a few games last year. Um, and also we're, we're led by a group of experienced veterans, you know, Josh being, being one of those guys, you know, Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan, a few of those guys. Um, they've been to Omaha twice. They know how to get it done. Um, we have some young talent and a really good pitching staff. So that's, that's why I would bet on us. All right, Josh, so I'll ask you, and I, I like to be cup half full kind of guy. When you guys win the College World Series this year, will there be a dog pile or will COVID 100%. not let you? Oh, no, there's a dog pile. No, no matter what, there's a dog pile. 100%. He's on that Josh Turner stuff. That's right. Yeah, That's for right. sure. For sure. Well, guys, uh, you know, we wanted to highlight you guys at Mississippi State. We wanted to kind of plug the upcoming season and, and really get some info on, you know, where we're at getting ready to prepare because you guys know as well as I do, as soon as January 1st rolls around, like, it hits quick. And, like, you guys are going to be on that diamond. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. And then, you know, springtime hits, and then, boom, you're, like, right in the thick of it. So, um we we wish you guys the best of luck and and i i want you want you guys to definitely come back and, and and wrap with us a little bit about how the season went hopefully you know we're talking about a national championship and hopefully you guys can show us those rings yep that's right that's all right goal. well before you guys get out of here and do what college kids do we're going to play a game called this or that karen is familiar with the game but josh it's very simple i give you two options you choose one you can't say both and you can't say neither. 
Don't ask about the context of the question. Don't dig too deep. Don't overthink it. Just give me a simple answer, one or the other. You guys good with that? Good. All right, so I'm going to start since, since Josh, this is his first time, Cameron, I'm going to start every question to Josh, and then once he answers, then you get a chance to answer. Um, Cam, you got some, some repeat questions, because I'm curious if some of your answers have changed. I, I think they might. So, <laughs> All right. All right, Josh. So are you a BP guy, or are you a guy who, who enjoys infielding practice? BP. Cameron. BP. Cameron, what is it about BP that's just – it? like, you know that, that – you don't, I don't know. Like, I just feel like BP is like what everyone wants to do. And I, I was a pitcher and like, that's the only, like I could care less about shagging balls and running and all that. I just wanted to be able to hit BP and I never could. So what is it about BP that makes it so special? Well, if you can get in there and, and hit some home runs, it's fun to do that. Get in there and watch the ball fly. Um, that's the most fun thing to do in baseball to hit a home run. So I think that's why everybody enjoys it. Well, hey, Daniel, since, you know, well, you know, going back to Cameron's first episode, Josh, let me ask you a question. Cameron said something that enlightened me the first time because I didn't play baseball like Daniel. He said if he goes into a BP session and he's just killing it, he'll just he'll just end his session early. Like, there's no reason to keep hitting. Are you the same way? Oh, yeah, for sure. If, if you're feeling right, swinging's feeling good, you, you end on a good one, you end on a homer, then it's, it's ready. It's go time. You just hop out, you're ready to go. All right, so Josh, speaking of hitting homers, would you rather hit bombs and strike out a lot, or would you be rather be a guy who just is a consistent hitter and gets on base a lot? Uh, homers. <laughs> All right, Cam, I asked you this question. I've already had the answer, so has, has your answer changed? My answer stays the same, hit homers. Man, you guys – I hope somebody on your team likes to just get on base because, I mean, one-run homers just ain't going to do it unless every, everybody hits one. Yeah, yeah uh, that's the point. Me, me and Cam hit. Yeah, don't listen to, to DB. He's a pitcher, boys. Drop them bombs. Hit them. Tanks, left and right. Right. All right. So, Josh, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Future. Go to the future. Cam? Future. Josh, why, why the future? Nothing you would want to change or do differently in the past? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I think I want to go to the future uh, just to see what everything is. You know, like people predicted now in 2020 we have flying cars, but here we are stuck in our bedrooms having to be six feet away from everybody, you know. So I just want to see what, what would change. Gotcha. All right, so if you were going to ask someone on a date, would you do it in, like, a DM or would you do it face-to-face? -face? I'm going to go I'm gonna go DM. All right. Cameron. I'd have to say DM, too. Oh, God, he said it goes down. In the That's DM. where it goes down. Daniel, enlighten so, hey, him about our, our female <laughs> guest, though. Guys, I will say this. Every female guest, every female guest that I've that we've had on, I've asked that question to, and they all say, "Do not slide into my DMs." <laughs> Which, hey, hey, yo, hey, I don't believe it. Put on the jeans. 
Yeah, I don't I, believe it because it works. If it didn't work, it would stay would do it all the time. It works. It works, no. I know sure. it works. Trust me. I may be old, bro. <laughs> Don't let them lie to you. They'll DM back if, if Hatch DMs them. Well, well look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call out the guest, but she came on here and said she doesn't do the DM thing. And then when Daniel asked if she wanted to plug or promote anything, she was quick to promote her Instagram and Twitter handles. Yeah, hey, see, there we go. There we go. That hey, that's how they get you. They'll play it. They say, nah. I don't want the DMs. I want them to dress up, come out, but nah. That's not how it is. All right, so uh, along the same lines, would you rather look busted and be the best player in America, or would you rather be look great but just be an average player? You can still play SEC baseball, but you're just an average player. You look good, or you look busted and you're the best player in America. Oh, I'm trying to look busted and be the best player in America. Okay. Cameron, best player in America. The good ones get paid. That's right. You can you money can makes them. us all look good, baby. That's right. You <laughs> that, can fix right. them looks that's later. Right. All right. So, when it comes to SEC play, would you rather beat Ole Miss or Florida? Ole Miss. Ole Miss every time. So why is why Ole Miss? <laughs> I mean, obviously the rivalry, but like rankings and, and and like how good a team is, does that matter, or is it? It's always going to be Ole Miss. It's always going to be Ole Miss. Yeah, I think it'll always be Ole Miss, no matter where we play them or how we play them. I think it'll always be on site with them. But is it LSU or Ole Miss? Ooh, still Ole Miss. For me, no, Josh, Josh thought about it because I've read a lot of things that says there's some bad blood between hey, LSU and Mississippi State. Hey, for me, I'd probably change it to LSU. How, how do you guys feel about the University of Tennessee? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really care yeah. either way. Kind of, I'm not, I don't dislike them, but yeah. I don't, you know. Great answer, guys. I know when we played there sophomore year, there we had there was a bunch of chirping back and forth. They like to chirp a lot, I think so. But other than that, I mean, it's not really not really a big deal. Well, well he asked because Randy's a Tennessee fan, so luckily y'all didn't say anything negative. You know what, though? It's all <laughs> good. a little chirping. I, I, Josh, I feel like maybe you do some chirping. I like that. I, I chirp as when I was a player. I chirp now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think, I, think you got, I think you got to chirp, but uh, I think you have to have a right to chirp, obviously, you know, if you're – if you're well, I four, disagree with that. I don't have a right yeah, to, but yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think for me in my shoes, I think you have to. You can't you can't go out there trying to chirp. You know what I'm saying? You're over four or four strikeouts. You ain't done anything that day. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you just described me. Over four four strikeouts. Well, I got four kids. Is that a strikeout or a grand slam? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a home run, bro. I'm batting a thousand. Hey, I'm, well, we ain't going to get into those statistics. We'll talk about that off the air. Four for four. All right, so, guys, I'm looking at two guys that are wanting to be first-day draft guys. So, answer the question for me. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends. Uh, he's say like he's staying with it. He's lying. 
Um, I'll probably I have to go friends, probably. Is that's that because your friend said it? No, what, what's, nah, what's nah, good? Nah. Yeah, what's the good in having the money if you have nobody to go spend it with and have fun with? We Randy. just said we. All right, hold up. Let's let's break this down, Cam. We just said that you can be ugly as hell, but money <laughs> makes you look good. Like you know, so prime example. Like you gonna have a lot of hangers on. You got some clingers, but you got money, bro. Hey, you think Watch that Buster out. Posey didn't get some new friends when that boy got paid? Yeah, but then, but if you if you have the money and you're hanging out with your your clingers, that'd be considered friends. So that kind of, you know, that's the point of the question. See, that's what I'm saying. I get new friends. Like if we ever make this thing big, I'm dropping DB and Jim like a bad habit. I'm gonna have some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the last question, and this is this is a, a hot one. If it is the bottom of the ninth, and you need a guy to come up and score a run. Let's let's say there's let's say there's a, there's a, a guy on second and you need a base hit. It, is Josh Hatcher the guy or is Cameron James the guy? First of all, you uh, said I'm a, base I'm a hit. Hey, <laughs> if we're talking about base hits, just me. But if we're talking about homers, you gotta go with Cam. Okay. Okay, Cameron. Oh, uh, see, I would, I would probably said the opposite. Hatch has more homers in his career than I do. Well, Cam, because you know, Frill and Dill are your boys. The, Daniel asked that question, and uh, Frillman gets you know nice and says Dylan, and then when it gets to Dill, he says Dylan and doesn't even hesitate. And so Frillman comes back and says, "I was only trying to say that because he was my friend. I would have said myself." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Guys, that's – I'm going to take you off the hot seat, man. That was, that was good stuff. Is is there anything, Josh, that you want to plug or promote? I know you guys got an upcoming season. Some of the guests like to promote social media, their schedule, their next game. So, anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, I would just say just give me a follow on Instagram, at Josh Hatcher. And then if we can, if we can have fans at the games, everybody's got to come out, got to have 15,000. Absolutely. Cameron, what about you? We plugging or promoting anything? Mm, no, nah, I'm I'm good. Cam's promoting right. this episode. He's he's coming for Ed Easley. Yeah, I mean, hey, at the end of this, Cameron, if, if there's anything that, that you do, I would like to see you take the top spot. Everybody, yeah, that's what I need to promote. Every single person that listens to this podcast has to tell at least five people to listen to it. At least. At least. All right, guys, man. It's it's been good, man. I appreciate y'all coming on. We, you know, we learned a lot about the upcoming season. Josh, it was nice to meet you and get you on. Cameron, are you gonna be the first three time guest? Probably so. I, I hope so. Well, you guys go do your thing and hopefully we have you back when you when you got those rings. So let us know if we can help you guys along the way, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're going to plug the sponsors. When we come back, Randy's going to make you rich. Jim's going to blow that whistle. I'm going to give my That's What's Up award for the week. And then we're going to sprinkle in a few headlines for you. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Guys, leading off tonight, we're going to talk NBA preseason basketball. Randy, my man, is there anything to be excited about? 
about with the, the start of preseason NBA basketball? Your Memphis Grizzlies are something to be excited about. Watching Job and Rant, you know, it's preseason. You really can't take a lot from it. I hear all that, but just seeing how in control of the offense he is, uh, shot looks a lot better. Uh, you know, you know, your favorite player didn't get a chance to play, Brandon Clark, but just when those guys come back, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who when he got injured was playing the best ball of his career. Uh, hopefully we can see Justice Winslow, but I'm just excited to see that team gel, you know, in year two of the experiment. I I'm really excited for the Grizzlies. Yeah, it was uh, following it on Game Tracker. It, it was back and forth. It looked like the Grizz were up, you know, a good little bit, and then it just got close, and then it was back and forth. But, I mean, inevitably, um, they they came back – or they, they won the game, which, I mean, a preseason, I guess it's good to win games, but I guess it really doesn't matter as much as – the like you said the the gelling of the team the flow the chemistry and and just you know looking like a basketball team well the win tonight i'll tell you this guys this is the definition of a winning formula they had seven guys scoring double figures that'll probably win you a game 99.9 percent .9 of the time well jim is there uh, we we talk grizzlies but is there anything in the preseason to look look forward to or get excited for any other teams any other matchups I mean I don't personally get too excited for it I mean probably the most exciting thing I've seen is what you actually sent me which was Westbrook coaching from the sideline drawing plays on the clipboard but then like I told you in that same game I was depressed because he went and gave Durant a hug and they chatted and looked like best friends and I told you he should just punch him in the face but you know if he can get over it, I should get over it, right? But whatever. So moving into baseball, Jim, Cleveland, they're losing the Indians moniker. What are your initial thoughts, reactions? Daniel, you know, you remember, what, a couple months ago, because it's one of your favorite movies, and I sent you that I had went and bought Major League because I saw it for $3 at the store. And – I mean, Cleveland Indians, it is just – it is a trademark. It is a staple. It is when you – it is a big part of baseball's history, and even though that's a movie, but just in general. And, you know, Washington, you could argue, has a little bit of the same way, but I don't think to the degree that Cleveland does, man. And it just – I don't like it, and I understand the agenda's behind it, and I'm not – I don't have any of that heritage to, to feel a certain way, but I just, man, I like, I love the idea of the Cleveland Indians too much. And I know you do too, because, you know, just, just off that major league talk we had. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's hard to picture the, the movies without the Cleveland Indians, but I mean, I, I get it. Um, you know, with all that's going on in the world, like this is a silly request to get up in arms about. Um, but Randy, I'll ask you, what, what should the new name be? Should it be the Cleveland Baseball Club or should it be something else? No, you know, they already came out and said it will not be the Cleveland Baseball Club, Cleveland Baseball Team. So uh, I actually was reading a CBS Sports, I want to give source, um, one of the names they came up with was the Cleveland Buckeyes. And a lot of people say, oh, Ohio State. But the reason that that really resonates is because they would be paying homage 
to a Negro League team from 48 to 50. So that, to me, if you're, you know, you're trying to pay some homage, it's also the 100th anniversary of that league. So you're paying homage to them and wear the flat brims that we all love and we wear now. Uh, that was one of the first ones they got. And they got some dope-looking hats from that, from that, that team. So if you're going to go with one, go all the way. And people say, oh, you can't have two Buckeyes. But, yeah, look at the Giants. I mean, that's like everybody's name. There's a couple – Pro teams, whatever. Let's do it. Hey, man, maybe they shouldn't go with anything at all, Randy, because the Washington football team is now, like, winning now that they don't have a, a mascot. <laughs> well, they still don't have a winning record. But they're winning that sorry division, though. Yeah, I heard on ESPN Radio somebody said they, – they gave a background on the history behind it, but the Cleveland Moondogs – and I thought like that would be kind of cool because it seems almost like a like a minor league team with a minor league name. Like I think something fun, something marketable, something catchy like that would be cool. Um, but I'll said, ask you guys. I was gonna say because you said Moon Dogs, though, man, you want to talk about some redneck stuff? I think about the wrestlers from Memphis on Channel oh, Five, yeah. country hillbillies cutting each other with can uh, cans and stuff. <laughs> What what would be wrong with just calling them the Cleveland Tribe? Like, it, would that be offensive? Yeah. If you're going away from the Indians, and you got to get away from any Native American name. Well, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see because when it all first happened with Washington, and then there were the talks initially about Cleveland, Atlanta made it clear that there was no way there's a chance in hell that they were coming off the Braves. Cleveland said the same thing. We 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 will see. Yeah, it'll, to be determined. As Randy would say, it's a money game. Money talks. So, moving moving on, guys. NCAA basketball. Randy, did Memphis miss out on a golden opportunity to win? Not a big game, but uh, at least a notable game. Absolutely, it's a resume builder. Uh, Auburn is not. Uh, um, as good as they have been in the past couple of years, but it's a signature win over a power five team with a, you know, a very well-known coach. So I think it was Penny's opportunity and the team's opportunity. I'm not putting this all on Penny to get a team that get to get a win that people would be talking about. So Jim, Randy doesn't want to put it all on Penny, but is Penny to blame or is it all, or is it players? I mean, I'm having trouble at this point. I think, I'm blinded a lot by the fact that, you know, growing up, Penny was my favorite player, just like you guys. And I just want to believe the best. But um, it's it's starting to come to a point where um, you're not seeing the X's and O's on the court. You're not seeing the guys do the things they should do. Um, and there's a lot of questions coming in. And it's starting to really feel like he's who you have to point the finger at. Yeah, I mean the the lineage that that Penny brings to the Memphis basketball program, it makes it really hard to put blame on him because I don't know if we would be in a position that we're in without him. And if you bring in another coach, who's to say it would be any better? But when you talk X's and O's, like who is is Cody Topper the X's and O's guy? Who is the X's and O's guy, Randy? 
Well, like right now, I don't think it's anybody or nobody's taking responsibility for that. I think that, you know, let me start by saying this. We live in an instant gratification society. So when we see a name like Penny, we see the recruiting class. He's a victim of his own success. He was a superstar at Memphis, superstar in the NBA. He's been uh, a, an adamant proponent of the city. He won a heck of a lot of games at East High School. So everybody just thought natural transition. We're taking over from this boring Tubby Smith where they were winning 21, 22 games a year. Bam, we're going to win national titles. And this just doesn't happen like that. People are so quick to forget that Cal did not – he was not making a tournament, you know, squeaking in the NIT, losing bad games. And then he won the NIT, and it was almost like a springboard. It kind of took him to that next level. World Wide West also came in. I'm not going to mention all that. But the point of the matter is, should they be playing better? Absolutely. Does Penny need to fix some things? Absolutely. But I have seen time after time people call for his head. And to me, that's ridiculous. Anybody calling for Penny's head right now, it just doesn't they, – they are thinking of themselves on that same level with a Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. And no offense, Tiger, this is a great tradition, and they should expect to win. But this is not your blue bloods like that. So what's the, the level of panic or alarm right now? If, if one's being, being low level, and we'll say five being like the building's on fire, like where, where do you stand right now? What was my what was my scoring system again? One to five. One being, you know, a minor problem. Five being the buildings on fire. I'll go three because I think like just just to lay out what I said. You know, they need to be playing better, but I'm not ready to pull the plug by any means. Hey, what about you, Jim? Yeah, no, he's right. It's at a three. Where where you get to a four is you start losing to weak conference opponents, and then then you're in trouble. Well, that that time is coming up quick because tomorrow night they're gonna they're gonna step foot on the court with an inferior conference opponent, and I'll be honest, guys, I haven't seen enough yet that should, gives me any reason to believe that they're just gonna go out there and dominate the game. I mean, the shooting the shooting against Auburn was was bad. The turnovers are bad. I mean, they shot like 40% from the free throw line. Like, that just can't happen. So, uh, things have to get better. And I, I'll be honest, guys, my level of alarm is probably at a four. Well, I'll tell you this, Daniel, to your point, um, you know, it doesn't have a line yet. But, I um, mean, you know, it's got as a matchup predictor, it's got Memphis as a 76% chance to win, but Tulane is 4 0. So you got one team who's feeling confident, regardless of how good they may be, and one team who's trying to find themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's and because of the conference replay in, there's no off days because Memphis is typically in that conference, they're going to get everyone's best shot most of the time. Uh, Randy, give me an update on, on UT basketball. 2-0, and man. Sitting good. Yeah, and to go back to your shooting, you, you mentioned that. So, Tennessee's been having a lot of the same things. And, and this isn't like a pick on Memphis thing, but good teams find a way to win uh, when shots aren't falling. And that's what Tennessee's been doing. Their first game against Colorado, which is a pretty decent team, they only shot 35%. Uh, and then you played Cincinnati, who's – they're known for being tough, and they only shot 32%. 
and they only they shot 16% from three. So, I mean, it, it, Tennessee is just winning on the defensive end, and they're finding ways to grind out, whether it's get to the line, get that put back. I mean, they're just finding ways to win, and, and shout out to Rick Barnes for that. Mm, Rick Barnes. <laughs> uh, Jim, any other stories to note for college basketball before we move to NFL? Um, no, I just wanted to point out when we were when we were highlighting those blue blood matchups, and we were we were talking about um, uh, when they were facing off. And I remember, you know, Randy specifically, you know, talking about how great Tim uh, Tom Izzo was, but he didn't know how good that team was. And um, I was looking at the records, I was looking at their scores and everything. And I tell you what, man, um, that team looks really good, and they're 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 beating the good teams. The, the ranked teams and then the teams that aren't ranked, they're, they're beating their butt. So um, Tom Izzo is doing what Tom Izzo is doing. And then the team just, you know, because we're Memphis guys, um, well, I mean, Randy's not, but um, look at Houston, man. Um, ranked six, undefeated, and um, they're starting to get some shatter. So just those those are two teams that I, I wanted to highlight. Gotcha. So NFL, Jim, the Saints. Saints lose a, a tough one to the Eagles. And would you say this was a bad game? Was this – did they overlook the Eagles? Are you worried? I'm not worried, but I don't know the answer to the, the overlooking thing. But, you know, a lot of times people want to lay blame. If a team has a 56-game streak of not allowing a 100-yard rusher and they have two of them, I think that's time to give the other team credit more than you lay blame because they managed to do something that someone hadn't done in 56 games and do it with two people. Um, and that was all, you know, created by what Jalen Hurts was doing. And it wasn't just a runner. The first touchdown by Philadelphia, the Saints coverage was actually money. He threw a bullet. And not only did he throw a bullet on target, he stood in the pocket and got drilled by DeMario Davis. So, Jalen Hurts uh, impressed me. He seemed to inspire his team, which, I mean, Philly needs any kind of spark they can get, right? And so I think it's more about them. Now, I will say this, and y'all are going to love hearing me say this. Um, Taysom is starting to, um, you know, go backwards a little bit. And um, his biggest thing, and it's not passing. It's actually not his passing. He's so careless with the football, he's turning the ball over by fumble twice a game, and it's costing them. Is it Jameis time? No, it's not Jameis time, but, I mean, at what point do you learn to protect the football? I mean, he's, like I said, he's, I mean, he's really careless with it. And so he's, he's developed as a passer, and now he's, like, losing himself as a runner. I don't, I don't get it. As a matter of fact – Randy, I was thinking to myself, look, you know, you know, my favorite thing is when he truck sticks over somebody. Dude, when he slid, when he could have got a first down during that game, I was like, oh, my God, he's, he's became a, a typical quarterback. I was like, I can't have it. I liked my guy better when he was a tight end. <laughs> They're probably telling him to slide. Quit, quit truck yeah. sticking, folks. We need you. But, uh, but I'll tell you this, Daniel. The, the Saints still could have won the game. They dropped a pick six. They missed multiple field goals. Um, like I said, Taysom had a careless fumble when they didn't need it. So the opportunities were there. So I'm I'm not worried. Um, the the thing that does worry y'all text me today. If Drew isn't back and you do have Taysom, I just don't see how that team beats Kansas City. Um, and that would then put you on a James list. Time. <laughs> James Time. 
You're telling, but Jameis ain't beating Kansas City either, bro. You know that. All right, stop. Collaborate and Jameis time. I honestly, honest to God, I think Jameis gives you a better chance to beat Kansas City than Taysom does. I, I swear. And I don't mean not use Taysom at all. I mean use Taysom like they were using him when Drew was there. Well, the main reason I think you're right is because you know Michael Thomas is actually getting fed a lot by um, Taysom. It's it's obviously Kamara as we talked about, but even Sanders' numbers. And so I think it's the way the, the <laughs> he'll spread the wealth. Definitely not Cook's numbers. They are crap. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Jameis will spread the wealth. He's not gonna. You know, Taysom's eyeing in on one guy. Yeah. All right, Randy, Colts, they win big this past weekend. Are they starting to become, you know, I guess the word of, of this podcast is, is, are they starting to chirp a little bit about being a contender? Uh, they've all they've believed all season they were a contender. They believe in what the defense can do. And I've said it since the beginning of the season, what you needed – for them to be a contender was for Phillip Rivers to not make the big mistake. And that's what he's – that's when he's been able to avoid is making the big mistake. Uh, you know, he played well uh, again uh, for the Raiders. The defense gave up a lot of yards. They were more bend, don't break, but they did have two interceptions. Uh, so, they played really well. Had a, one of the plays of the week, the one-handed interception in the back of the end zone, you know, that Jim mentioned in the text thread. But if – in rushing, my goodness, they averaged over eight yards of rush. I mean, I know it's the Raiders and – you know, they got gifted a game against the Jets, but you got to go out and win those games. And now they're sitting, you know, they don't own the tiebreaker with the Titans because of division record, but they're nine and four waiting on the Titans to slip and they in there, baby. So, Jim, the Chiefs and the Dolphins played. The Chiefs struggled early. Um, they ended up winning the game, but was it, are we learning something or how to beat the Chiefs or? Was it just pure luck or just a bad No, game it's actually neither. Part? The Dolphins' defense has been really good. I think the Dolphins' defense came out and played really good as they have been. And it just as – as you saw the Chiefs do during their playoff run last year, right, it just took them time to figure it out. And eventually, um, you know, Tyreek Hill got loose. He was feeding Kelsey as he always does. And um, they got the win. But, I mean, it does show between the Raiders beating them and they've had a close game with the Chargers, and they've had a close game with the Dolphins. They're not invincible. That's, I mean, that's for sure. I mean, Randy's, you know, Colts, you know, with the way their defense can play, if they're healthy, I mean, they got a formula that can beat them. If they slow the game down and they pound the rock with Taylor and Hines, and then their defense plays their capability, that's an example of a team that can beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think it's going to be interesting to see because I think the Chiefs are always going to be the favorite, but the stiff competition that they're going to face is coming in this week. Um, you know, the, the Saints are, are, I would say, you know, on par with them as far as, you know, a team that could win it all. Um, they're, they're a quarterback short right now, but – I don't know. Is is Breeze going to be healthy enough to play? Original reports were saying that he was, but they're backpedaling on that. That's why Randy's been talking about Winston. But as far as when we're talking about the defense, the Saints' defense is a uh, good measure to to see. No different than we were just talking about Miami. So we'll we'll, we'll see um, if the defense can. You know, like I said, they got gouged a little bit this week. But I mean, Jalen Hurts is a hard guy to 
to prep for. And, you know, you hadn't seen him play before. You don't have any film. Even though, you know, you know him as a running quarterback, um, he's, st he's still somebody you've never seen before. But um, the, the Chiefs, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't feel good about it, Daniel. I'm, I'm be honest with you. I mean that's that's a typical response. I mean you got the defending champs, and it's not like they're losing games. They're playing okay. They're and what sucks about playing the Chiefs is that the game is never over, no matter how big your lead is, because they always figure out a way to to bring themselves back. Well, what but, I say is this, Daniel. Check this on the breeze thing. I wouldn't play them, and let me tell you why. Um, if it if it's you know a game time decision. Um, all you need is to win one of your last three games or the Bucks to lose one of their last three games. And you have the division, and at worst, you're the three seed, right? Um, you know, I'd rather have a healthy Drew Brees and be the three seed um, and then try to put him out there and risk him to get that one seed. Would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, but you, you're – what you have to ask yourself is, is Breeze going to give you the best chance to win one of the three games or is Taysom Hill going to give you the best chance of winning one of the three games? Well, it's going to be Breeze, but give him that five days and let him get that win against Minnesota or they're going to play Carolina the last game of the season who's going to have nothing to play for unless they just want to play spoiler. So um, let Breeze play those two games. Let Trot Taysom out there because – I mean, think about it, man. I've never broken my ribs or had my, my lung collapse, but I'm pretty sure one good hit could send him right back to the ER. Well, I think, you know, I think Taysom needs to start. And here's why, is that Drew Brees, is, is, his time is, is, is coming up fast. And how do you know what you got unless you put your guy you, – you, the guy who you think might be it in against the best team in America right? The world. Like why not give them the chance to show something? I bet. I mean, if you looked at it on paper at the beginning of the season, it was a game that was a coin flip. And as the season progressed, it was probably a game that you started penciling in as a loss. And so what, what is the benefit of putting Drew Brees out there? I, I, I just don't see it right now. Randy, any other noteworthy games that we missed from this past weekend? Uh, you know, unfortunately, the Titans got to beat up on the Jaguars. I was really hoping they'd lay an egg and lose one. But don't worry, Titans fans. I know you're listening because you could not wait for that, that, that one Titans win in the last 20 over the Colts. But y'all going to slip soon. What about the Bills, Randy? Are they starting to be impressive right now? You know, they've been impressive. You know, I, I, Josh Allen had a lot of heat coming into the year. A lot of so there was a lot of people that didn't believe in him, and he has done nothing but shut the doubters up. Obviously, he's got weapons around him, but, you know, it all starts and ends with the quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think that's what you're seeing, you know, uh, with the Saints right now. They've had such a uh, an embarrassment of riches with Drew Brees. Uh, you're seeing that with the Patriots had such a, a long run. I mean, it's all over the map, right? I think, unfortunately for the Colts fans like myself, we've just been spoiled. We've went from Peyton to Luck, and now with Rivers, definitely the worst of the three. But still pretty good. And that Bills defense is, you know, remember when we had that conversation when they weren't healthy, Randy, and I told you I said it was hard when you're missing three or four starting members of the secondary. Since they've gotten healthy, they've been playing great defense. 
Speaking of that, I want to want to touch on something real quick. And I talked about it, and I said it was going to be an excuse. The Colts had four defensive starters out for the Titans game. One being DeForest Buckner. And I said, man, that guy needs to be freaking defensive player of the year after that performance. And since he's come back, he's done nothing but prove me right because he has been money in the bank. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. What you think? Money yeah, I had multiple Colts fans text me during that game, and he was the player I mentioned. Uh, the other thing I would mention, Daniel, it wasn't about who they beat, but it's just about how they've looked. Minus, uh, minus the one week where the Rams laid an egg, the Rams have still just stayed looking really good, and they're so impressive. Yeah, and so I mean, remember, I remember when we thought Seattle was not only going to just be the clear-cut favorite in the NFC, um, definitely the West. They're not. They're not even winning their division. No, that whole division's really good. Even the 49ers, I know they're struggling because of so many injuries, but man, they're not bad. No, and and the Cowboys, they they picked up a big win this week. Who was that? The Burrowless Bengals. <laughs> no, they dominated. I mean, I I have to I have to say give a shout out to my team. I mean, they they actually look like a football team. Yes, it was against the Bengals, but. I mean, you got to start somewhere, and wins are hopefully contagious. Hopefully we can finish out the season with some more wins and move forward past this season into next season and, and, and figure it out. But, you know, Jim, I'm going to give you a couple, a couple seconds to spotlight your Browns. They're, they're currently up by one point on the Ravens. I think they got about four minutes left to go in the game. So are the Browns legit? Is Lamar Jackson still the Browns are The Browns are legit, but I got to tell you something. The Ravens are at midfield, and let me ask y'all, because it's not going to take you but one second answer. Who's who's the best kicker in the league? There's. Why is Trace McSorley in at quarterback? I'll give you, I'll give you each a dollar if you can tell me where he played college football. Trace McSorley. Um, he sounds like a Penn State. Penn State guy. Don't know the answer. I was hoping you guys could tell me. It is Penn State. <laughs> I got that right. Yeah, dude, my phone is look. It is black. I did not look that up. That was a. Oh my god. I'm Cle- not, Cleveland I, is gonna I'm win. Like, I'm like seventy five percent convinced. If I'm that lucky, Cleveland is fixing to win this game. Yeah, I wonder why he's why there. Is he? And, and he just got sacked and taken out of field goal position. So, interesting note. Oh. And he's hurt now. Oh, my yeah. goodness. You know, we've never talked about live football usually, except for that time Taysom scored a touchdown while we were doing it. This is interesting. We're doing like a little play-by-play. <laughs> hey, Daniel, I'll say this to end NFL. You know, uh, if, if the Saints live up to the billing against the Chiefs, That'll be good. But have you looked at the matchups across the board? Find me a good game next week and you and, and, and tell me what it is because I don't see it. Uh, Colts, Texans. Cowboys, 49ers. Huge playoff implications there. The, the Colts, Texans, because like Randy says, rivals try to play each other. But if you were to look at records, there isn't like two winning teams playing each other is my point. True, but – 
I mean, like the Bucks are playing the Falcons. They need to win that game. But I'm just saying, there's not a there's not right. anything that gets you hyped up that says I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna if it's not your team, you're, there's no game that says I want to sit down and watch that. Um. Yeah, I I mean I I can see that, but um, sometimes you got to improvise. I mean, hell. We'll watch the Saints and the Chiefs play, and we'll we'll root for whoever wins. I mean, I'll be watching them all because I'll be in three different fantasy playoffs, so uh, there won't be a game I won't be tuned into, regardless. But well, well, that well, good for you. But I, you know, noteworthy games. You're right. There's not many noteworthy games. I I think it's safe to say that our teams are going to be our own noteworthy games for this week. But since you mentioned fantasy, Jim. Um, let's jump into that. Randy, give me an update on your teams. Are you playoff bound? Or are you not playoff bound? Or are you just, just riding it out? Well, this was the first round of the playoffs, and I am currently down by 10. My only hope coming into tonight was Landry. You know, Jarvis Landry has really, really let me down tonight. Let's look at live action. He's got 4.98 points. I'm down by 11 now because Andrews, the tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, put up four. So, you know, I'm out, bro. I'm out after tonight. Well, I I can absolutely feel your pain because in one league I'll be moving into the playoffs, uh, which start next week because I won this week. And then in my other league, the league that Jim is in, I am currently down by like 35 points and – I am not going to win that. I had the Ravens defense, and they needed to put up a, a 30 spot, which was no. not going negative happen. at this point. So They are in my league. I, in my other league that I had already won, thank God I wasn't relying on them like Daniel because they're a negative four for me. You know, it, it really my, – my season came down to injuries. And, you know, I had a guy – that was starting yesterday that played like one series and then came out of the game and got zero points. Did y'all see that? Just McSorley just, or no, that's Lamar. That's a touchdown. I don't know who threw it. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's back in. All right. So that didn't get points for your defense though. No, but Jim, give us an update on your team. Um, the one league, it didn't start, but I'll be the one seed. Um, and then the league with you, I obviously won. And now I get to play my arch nemesis of fantasy football. Um, you've obviously seen in what you have paid attention to the group thread, even though you try to stay out of it. Um, he is the guy I hate the most. And so it is game on. And then, interesting, the one league that I'm playing in, they do it different than I've ever seen it before. So, the playoffs are week 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. Four teams make it. You play them for two weeks instead of one. Well, the guy had the worst week ever. And so, unless I really just drop the ball next week, I beat him by 57. So, feel pretty good about advancing. And in that league, second place gets you at least 1,300. So, I'm feeling pretty good. That's, that's a good spot to be in. 
Well, let's uh, let's move into NCAA football, guys, and let's do our let's talk about our our predictions from last week and move into our predictions for this week. But um, some of the games that were on the slate this past week: LSU upsets Florida. Jim, you never would have thought it would happen, but what what ha- what did happen? I mean, they played inspired, first of all, and and here's the thing: I argued. You know, my buddy Brad was like Max Johnson. He came out looking good, and he's like, this kid's the truth. And Max Johnson's been coming in and out all season, and he's been anything but the truth. I don't care who his dad is. And then then again, his dad wasn't even that good, even though he's got a Super Bowl ring. Um, And so, you know, I was like, at some point, he's not going to keep being as successful as he was. And yet, Max Johnson just kept playing touchdowns. And then – the defense was making, uh, you know, they were giving up yards like they always do, but they created turnovers, which you know that's, you know, biggest part of the thing. If you can create turnovers, you can change the game. And um, and they did it. But here, here's the reality, and here's what everybody in the sports world knows. There is not a doubt in my mind that when it was going to be fourth down, LSU was going to punt the ball to Florida and Kyle Trask was going to lead them down the field to win the game. And so the kid Wilson who took the shoe or took the cleat and threw it, well, I can I can say with certain certainty, absolutely cost us team the game. Um, I don't know how you would handle it as a coach, Daniel. I don't know how you would handle it as a coach, Randy. That kid, especially because I found out from a Florida fan later, that's actually his second huge incident this year. Um, he'd be gone, man. I'm not even kidding. I I, I ain't got time for somebody who who does mess like that and cost my team the game. And he absolutely did. But nonetheless, and uh, I think the shout-out has to go to Cade York because he drilled a 57-yarder in the freaking worst fog I've seen in a football game in a long time. That looked wild. What a scene it was. Yeah, that was like visually it was it was awesome. Um, I didn't watch any of the games, saw the highlights, and I was, I was impressed. But um, – you know, still with SEC, Jim, is Texas A&M still trash? Yeah, because now, look, guess what argument I get to make now? Their one claim to fame was they beat Florida. LSU beat Florida. <laughs> so, so, yeah. What ha- so, what happens next week if Florida beats Alabama? Um, Alabama just stays in and nothing's going to change. Is Texas A&M still trash? Oh, absolutely. Did Alabama still beat Texas A&M by like 100? I mean, not, or, then we're going in circles with this. But, yes, you're right. Jim, last thing. Is Alabama – are they going to win it all? Yes, absolutely. Because, simply put, I don't know how anybody can cover those receivers – it's just stupid, and and Mac Jones can just – I mean, they got three receivers. Well, they lost one of them, but still, the other two, I mean, they got the best wide receivers in the country on the same team, and then you got a running back that if you if you decide you want to use the run game, like, I just I don't see how you can stop them. Um, Ohio State, yeah, I think has a great team, and I think, you know, can maybe give them a little bit of a run. Um, Clemson, Notre Dame, not a – I'm not a believer that either of them could say yes. You could just hand Alabama the trophy now. 
So Randy, your money guy, Gus Malzahn gets fired and is going to make bank. What are your thoughts on that? I don't agree with them firing him. I know that their expectations were to um, be Alabama, basically. But Gus Malzahn had a lot of success against Alabama, beat him multiple times. You know, he's 68 and 35 as a head coach. I don't know. It's just fan bases. We talked about it with Penny. It's instant gratification. It's Nick Saban has set the bar so high for the rest of the SEC that it all pales in comparison. Gus Malzahn is a super uh, successful guy and will be successful again probably in the SEC. I mean, wasn't Gus Malzahn the guy who, like, really bought into, like, no-huddle aggressive offenses with with speed and, and like – like that was like the th- he was doing that before like it was a thing. So yeah, he was a trendsetter really in the SEC before he was a uh, came in. They really did. You didn't see a lot of that. Randy, how many times did he beat Alabama? I feel like it was like three at least times. three or four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, three times. So, Randy, given the given that they fired him and and you don't agree with the firing, do you think they already have a coach in mind? And so they were like, we need to pull the trigger now? I think they have a short list, yes. But I will say this. If they end up hiring their D.C., then I disagree with it even more. Paying Gus Malzahn uh, $21, million, $21 million to go away to hire a guy that's already there. You know, Doc Rivers hit on this perfectly last week, you know, because they talked about Paul George didn't like the way that Doc Rivers was using him. And then his response back was, Ty Lue was sitting right beside me. Now, Ty Lue was obviously the head coach of the Clippers, so it makes no sense to me to do that. I think that obviously the hot name is Hugh Freeze. I don't see that happening. Um, I've been hearing Lane Kiffin a lot. It's hard to see that happening. So, man, you hire that guy. I think that the fan base should be up in arms. So, let me ask you this. Are other coaches now on the hot seat because of everything that's that's happening and and just so they – can get a guy? I mean, the easy answer would be for me to say Jeremy Pruitt, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, Tom Herman would be another easy one. They already said that's not going to happen. Uh, it's harder this year, harder than ever because of COVID revenues being down. It's going to be individual, like it is always. Who's going to pay that buyout? You know, especially at Tennessee. They, their last payment to Butch Jones is this month. And then, of course, Butch takes a job in the same month. So, uh, shout out to Butch Jones Randy, for getting the bag. Randy, you're a money guy. Let me ask you: Is who's got the largest buyout of of any coach? Because that feels like twenty one and a half million's got to be up there. Yeah, no, that'd be I, Tom I, Herman, right? Yeah, I think it's Tom Herman. But Gus's was way, way, way up there. What about Justin Fuente? Does he get fired? No, no. Even though his his uh, buyout ends today, and they could fire him. No questions asked, no money, no nothing. They could. But that – I mean, historically, they just don't do that. Think about it. How many other major college football programs have had two coaches in the last 30 years? It's just – I mean, it just doesn't happen anymore. I just know this, Randy. I said I didn't think there would be a lot of guys getting fired, and you told me the SEC doesn't care, and, boy, do you look right. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that – don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Vanderbilt was saved Pruitt's job because it didn't. I just don't think they're going to fire him because we're in year three, and you can't keep firing coaches after three years and expecting to get somewhere. Very true. Very true. But there are some, some names out there that, you know, 
are they ready to leave? I don't know. Is that basically what you were saying, though, Daniel? Because a name like Gus Malzone's out there, a, a team might be you know quicker to fire a coach that they might not because they might be able to get a guy like that? Absolutely. I have your answer for biggest buyout in college football. It is who exactly who it should be, Nick Saban, $27 million. <laughs> Followed by Kirk Ferentz, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, Tom Herman, and check this out, Bronco Mendenhall, $17.4 million, Virginia. So if he was the seventh guy you listed, that means all of them were above $17 million. Good grief. Yeah, they're all 20. Obviously, we're taking Gus out of the equation because we know his. Oh. Wow. It's unbelievable. Can you imagine? I mean, guys, we're talking about getting paid $20 million and get fired. Golly. There are 12, 12 FBS head coaches that have a buyout of $20 million or more. Dear Chancellor of Auburn University, I will suck for a lot less. There, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, this is something. Daniel Paul. The, the easy answer is Jimbo Fisher. His buyout is $70 million because he got guaranteed. Guaranteed, 10 years. Shout out. Shout out, Jimbo Fisher. Jim said your team is trash, but your money, your contract negotiation skills are not, sir. You are. You are the man, hands down. All right, guys, let's talk predictions. We, we, uh, we, Jim, you, you picked Tulsa over Cincinnati, but that game got canceled. That's the only way I could not catch an L, so I'll take it. Well, I, I when my game was canceled, I picked a game, and I think we should hold you to a loss for that. Why? I would have picked LSU over Florida. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Why not? I've picked them over a lot of teams. <laughs> All right, so you you didn't you didn't get anything last week, Randy. You lost, and last week who was my pick? I lost. Um, I need to get some verification. You be trying to, you know, what? I gotta fact check you sometimes. I have the notes in front of me, but you lost. Trust me, you lost. trust me. Um, but I I lost as well. So I, I even to be honest, I quit like keeping record because it's it's bad on all parts but we will do this one more time jim who are you picking this week uh, what up give me a second oh we got okay oh man dude you know how tempted i am to pick tennessee <laughs> tennessee randy <laughs> hey put hey. your money where your mouth you said is. they were trash they're trash oh man um no, you know what? A perfect season is going to get ruined. Give me Louisiana Lafayette to beat Coastal Carolina. Mm. Is that a double-digit dog? Oh, it's got to be double-digit. It can't just be four points. These are no, no way. DB a, laid out these rules. These are big dogs. The, I mean, here, here's your options. You could go back to your Tulsa Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a four. I don't want that. That game is so last week. You oh, no, I got it. No, never mind. I see the easiest one. No, wait. Never mind. Uh, you, could go, you could go Notre Dame over Clemson. You could go Florida over Alabama. No, oh, give I got, me. I, I'm I got going, mine. If, if, if I can't have 
if I can't have Louisiana, just man, give me Tennessee, and I hope I hope the hell Tennessee wins, and and me Randy too. gets the, and Randy gets to dance, and I get to be right. Me too. All right, Rand, Randy, who you got? Michigan over Iowa. Oh Lord, you sure about that? I'm one hundred percent positive. Me and Jim Harbaugh were texting back and forth. He said me. He said him and his Kmart khakis are it's going down. Oh man, I I was gonna pick a top twenty-five game, but what? Who is the one team that could lose that would just throw a wrench in this whole scenario? Ohio State. That's a big dog. Yeah. Because then A and M will get in. Not after they take that L in Knoxville. Well, that well, yeah, true. But you get what I'm saying. If yeah. they were to win, hypothetically speaking, Ohio State loses, Texas A&M loses. Let's say Clemson loses. You got It'd be Al- Iowa State. I got your answer already. They're ranked seven, and they're playing number eleven, Oklahoma. Oh. All right, so I got to go with somebody. I'm going to go. I cannot pick Florida. I'm going to go Northwestern of Ohio State. Here's what I need for a prediction from you guys before it happens. Is Justin Tucker fixing to make this kick to win the game? I got to get y'all the yardage first. Doesn't matter, yes. Don't matter. He's, he could kick 65-yard field goals. He, he's, he's going to make 55. it. 55. Oh, he's drilling it. He's missing it because Cleveland's that team. Can you pick Michigan over Iowa, Randy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my final answer. All right. God, that dude's good. I I told you. I told you. He ain't missing from, from 55. All right, last call, guys. What did we miss, Jim? Um, you know, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to go back to it. Um, Sarah Fuller, man, I don't care if it was an extra point or a field goal. She made two of them. She's the first woman to score. Um, my daughter uh, immediately shared it on Instagram. It means something to her. Um, makes her believe, not that she can play football, but that she can accomplish things as a woman. So um, I'm going to shout out Sarah Fuller again and, um, you know, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but she deserves it. Randy, what did we miss? I think we covered it all. Yeah. Um, did a good job. Broke down what was, what was pertinent and what was going on. But before we get out of here, let's hit our segments. Let's start it off with Randy's riches, man. Randy, make me rich, bro. Uh, I had a whole segment. Uh, about the Cleveland Indians and their name change and what it means financially. But, guys, uh, I'm throwing a wrench in it. I just got a text. Good friend of mine, uh, known him for a long time, played a lot of ball with him, Dustin Rains uh, from Mississippi. He has uh, two young children. He's been battling COVID and uh, passed away tonight. So, been a long battle. Good dude. Solid. Spent a lot of battles with him, against him. And uh, shout out to his family. His son plays football at Lake Cormorant. He has been, you know, not that this even matters now, but I've never seen a more proud father. 
He has been re- he's getting recruited. He's in eighth or ninth grade. He's already getting recruited by a lot of D one schools. Placed for uh, the Gators, which was always a you know made for jokes for me and Dustin. Never seen a more proud dad, and just uh, my heart hurts tonight for him and his his family. So shout out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's uh it's it's real and it, and it's it sucks. Um, you know, but it, it seems as though with this vaccine we we have some hopefully some some good times to look forward to. So hopefully sooner than later. But Jim, it's your turn. Let's blow that whistle, bro. You know, I was going to do it on um, a football game, and then you encouraged me through text. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I hope Lawrence Dockery is out there listening because you know how I feel about him as a referee. I don't care if he was a guest on the show. Offside, and, and, and let me be clear, it's offside in soccer. He, he corrects me when I say offsides because that's only in football. Anyway, I happen to be perfectly parallel with the two girls on our soccer team and the defender of the other team. And she was standing directly behind our girls. And when the ball was kicked over the top, our girl broke. And, of course, she scored. And they wrote, they rose that flag and, and uh, called offsides. And uh, here's my issue. So you say, why is there a ref ramp? The side referee in soccer, because I know you don't watch it, their job is to run up and down the sideline and be where the ball is. The referee made this call from about 20 yards behind. And here's where – and so you say, okay, so shouldn't they still be able to make the call? I had a couple parents on our own team say she was offside, so we could see it from here. And I had two dads who were standing exactly where I was, and they both agreed with me that she wasn't. And I said, the problem here is the referee was lazy because in order to be a referee in any sport, you've seen it. you got to run up and down a field or a court. Did not run up the field with the players and did not have the right line of sight, therefore calling the play wrong. And uh, so they get they get the whistle blown on this week for being lazy. You need to hydrate, need to start running, need to start stretching, do whatever it takes to be in the right spot. Yeah, referees, you got to do better. Get in shape like Ed Hockley. Man, what? Flexing guns. All right, guys. The That's What's Up Award this week is going to go to – I know you're ready for this. It's going to go to Dairy Queen in Brainerd, Minnesota. So the reason it's going to Dairy Queen is because I'm sure you guys have heard of Pay It Forward where someone pulls into the drive-thru and they pay for the person behind them. Well, unprovoked, this happened in a chain of – a chain reaction occurred where 900 of the following people got their their stuff paid for by someone paying it forward. The Dairy Queen manager said this lasted for three days. So with all that's bad in the world, there are good people, good hearts out there. And, you know, I can't pick a better time to have a big heart and be generous and be kind to someone that you don't even know. So shout out to Dairy Queen. Shout out to all those people that decided, hey, let me let me help somebody. Let me brighten somebody's day. And no shout out to the person who ended that 900 car streak. <laughs> so guys, oh, hey, that was so good to, until you dropped it. You could have just left that out there, man. That person, that person's gonna listen to this podcast. Whoever that is, 
Man, I'd like my blizzard pay for. What? No, guys, uh, long night, good night as always. Yeah, great times, good insight. We got a good story from Josh Hatcher, and you know, it's always good catching up with Cameron James. And, you know, I, I think big things are coming from Mississippi State baseball. You can just kind of feel it. They're not, they're confident, but they're not overly confident. They just believe in the process, they believe in what they've been doing. And, and I think them not playing last year is really put like emphasis on like they're ready to do this so um you know i want to thank cameron james and josh hatcher for coming on uh if you like hearing us average joes talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always comments ratings and feedback is always welcome Next week, we got episode 11. Check it out. We got LSU women's soccer player Taylor Doblaced joining us. So we'll look forward to seeing everybody next week. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.